listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Hello, Internet. It's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville, from my basement, here hosting another episode of the Atomic Geeks podcast. And in my hand, I'm punching the living crap out of a red baron with lime. If there's any way to make a old war, World War I fighter pilot taste good, add a bit of lime. Who else is on this uh, podcast to join me tonight? Well, I'll tell you, mean Christian, it's Mike Downs coming in, brother, from Halifax. I'm drinking a Sleeman Original Draft, and I'm going tonight all the way. <laughs> hey, 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 it's Michael DiGiovanni, and I'm wearing a Jim Lee-designed Kryptonian battle armor in Toronto. And I'm podcasting under the influence again, folks, because I'm drinking one of Stone Brewery's sublimely self-righteous ales. Well, at this point, uh, we usually hear the, the mellifluous, or mellifluous, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that name right, usually hear from that jerk Andrew Bloom yeah, saying, <laughs> saying, saying some stuff about some beer he found in the bottom of his freaking, under his sink or something like that. But he's not here tonight, and instead we have our good friend C.T. from Tallahassee, Florida, also known as the Supreme Blogger of NerdLunch.net. Hello, C.T. Hello, Christian. Hello, fellow geeks. Welcome, C.T. <laughs> hey, well, Dijo, is that you? That's me. You're, yes, yes, this is, this is a first. This is unbelievable. This is unprecedented, in fact. Oh, my. Oh, my. I, you know, now we can put to bed all those rumors about you and I hating each other. <laughs> and uh, I, I believe I saw on Google Plus today that a few people were thinking that you and I were actually, in fact, the same person. <laughs> but now we've been seen at the same place at the same time. <laughs> on Skype. <laughs> Virtually. Yes. yes. And I'm glad you guys had this well-rehearsed bit before we started the freaking podcast. I think we right. nailed it. <laughs> we've, been, <laughs> we've been working on this for weeks. <laughs> Well, CT, how are you? I am great, Christian. How are you? I am good, thanks. And how are things down there in Nerd Lunchland, Florida? Oh, they're great. Uh, we uh, put up another blog today about some reboot thing, and I, we just finished up the uh, big blog crossover with uh, the Cavalcade of Awesome uh, last week, and uh, that was fun. So we got lots of nerdy, lunchy things going on. Well, welcome, CT. Now, uh, before, as per usual, we get into our topic at hand, maybe we should listen to a little bit of... Geek News. Geek News. Who's got some for us? Right here, Mr. Nielsen. Michael DiGiovanni's got some geek news. At the time of this recording, the San Diego Comic Con has just wrapped up. That's the preeminent comic, movie, television, pop culture uh, convention that happens, and anyone who is anybody is there, except for us. Uh, so, uh, but a lot went down. Uh, not, not as newsworthy, I think, as maybe in previous years, but I've just collected five little points. It's a five-fecta of uh, geek news here. Some of the uh, things that we learned from this year's San Diego Comic Con. So first and foremost, I think this one made uh, a lot of the news on Twitter, and it, some of it, a little bit of this dropped before San Diego. We finally got our first look at some of the footage and a trailer 
for The Amazing Spider-Man starring Andrew Garfield. So, uh, guys, did you get a chance to take a look at the new trailer and what are your thoughts? <laughs> Nobody has seen the trailer. <laughs> I saw the trailer and I thought it was okay. I guess I'm not super excited about it because, you know, it's we've already seen the origin story, so I would almost rather they just kind of pick up the story midstream, you know, like we've already he's already become Spider-Man and we just get right into it. But it looked really good. It looks like it's going to have um uh effects that are just as good as the originals or better and uh and, and a good story in spite of that uh i also saw this uh trailer you know it's funny because i didn't so there's a couple things to talk about there's the origin story i agree why the frick are they telling us this origin story again um i, I don't necessarily need to see that again um in terms of the special effects i remember not really liking the effects to spider-man the first one it came out and i guess they kind of got better by the third one um uh someone told me at the office i guess that they saw this in 3d and said that looked pretty fucking awesome so i gotta say mildly excited about spider uh, this version of spider-man and uh definitely piqued my interest some more you know i'm actually kind of excited about this trailer i mean I, 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 first of all first thing the only thing i'll admit that i am not excited about is the costume and that's basically me being an old man purist who doesn't like things to change in my world <laughs> uh, but as far as the origin goes the only thing i can say i'm, you know, I'm giving the, the the filmmakers credit here is that they're throwing in the whole story about uh, peter's parents which I think is an, an interesting plot point that's never been really done in any kind of universe or explored well enough. Yeah, but I'm on boat with uh, Downs and CT here, where the origin, a whole other film exploring this, that uh, doesn't interest me at all. I think uh, I got a real sense that this looked super fucking emo, the, the, the way that they're going with this. Peter Parker is not really a nerd. He's more of a mysterious loner outcast, and... It just the tone of that stuff I wasn't digging, and I gotta say the yeah that that POV shot of Spidey flipping and jumping and uh, going all over the buildings that looked ridiculously CGI. I mean, it looked like I, people are comparing it to there's the Shattered Dimension or shot some fucking video game of Spider-Man that it's a complete ripoff of. It looks. I thought it looked really badly executed, and I, I hope it the they're going to polish the special effects a little bit more before the film. I thought that scene looked like crap. Well, I don't know. I I I like that uh, that you know POV thing as long as they only use it for the trailer, which of course they are not. But from a trailer perspective, I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, just I hope they clean up the CGI work on it because I it looked. It didn't look good, in my opinion. I think I'm what with down. I'm echoing what Down said there. What I the only thing I did like was I think Andrew Garfield, the actor, is a perfect looking Peter Parker. Uh, he he did something neat at San Diego. What they were doing the panel for the new movie, and they had uh, a couple of the people up there already, and then they were doing something like they were saying, "No, wait, no questions before we introduce everybody." And a guy in a really cheaply made Spider-Man outfit. Uh, showed up and said he he had a question and how excited he was to be there. And they're like, listen, that's great, but we're going to hold off questions till later. And then he peeled the mask off, and it was actually Andrew Garfield, and the crowd went crazy. And then he actually took out, like, a letter where he had written out, a like, almost like a love letter to the character Spider-Man, which was really cool. So you can find this clip on YouTube, and uh, it shows at least the passion that this kid has for the character, so it's pretty neat if you haven't seen that. Um, and then he recited the Green Lantern oath, I think. 
which got a little confusing, I think. And then at that point, he was escorted out. <laughs> and then he, yeah, he, was, he was drawn by cables up into the ceiling. Goodbye, everyone! Goodbye. <laughs> and they injured three people because uh, you know how Spider-Man and cables yeah, go. With the fireworks. <laughs> Well, uh, on to some other uh, San Diego news. Uh, Steven Spielberg was there promoting Tintin, uh, and he let it drop that Jurassic Park 4 has been confirmed and should be hitting theaters in a couple years. So, uh, Downs, what do you think about Jurassic Park Part the 4th? Uh, I don't know. Why the fuck are they making another movie this? I'm, I'm sure it'll probably make some money, but I don't give a fuck about Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, I don't even remember the third one. Is that the one where they came to Hollywood or something like that? No, that one was uh, Assignment Miami Beach, actually, part three. <laughs> no, uh, but wasn't it, wasn't it the third one where they actually came into, like, civilized areas or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. No, that, was, that was two, I think. They went back to the island in three, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I think the third one, they, they actually go to the uh, Isa Minor, like the second island site, right? And it has, it's almost a real, as a matter of fact, like... Uh, Homage to the first one. It's it's very closely tied to what the first one was. Yeah, Sam Neill, the the actor, returns for for part three, and I, I mean, it was okay. Spielberg didn't direct it. I, I I'm pretty confident Spielberg's not going to do this fourth one either. But but the, the, again, this movie will probably echo the same message: dinosaurs don't make good pets. Yeah, like like so how is suddenly Jurassic Park four going to get like get nominated for an Oscar? Tell me that. Is there, is there, is there best performance by a T-Rex? <laughs> I just see the T-Rex with his little hands, like, uh, holding them on in front of him while he's sitting there waiting for them to announce the winner. Yeah, they got, like, a roadie duct taping it to his little tiny hand. <laughs> Maybe it's a T-Rex gets stuck in a crevice, and he has to, like, cut his own arm off to get out. And <laughs> that's, that's the big performance. It's all about talking about the heartstrings, no matter who you are. That's right, Jurassic Park 4, a love story. Yeah, this, they're, they're going to have one of the Velociraptors in a wheelchair or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, uh, another bit of uh, news, and this one is pretty exciting. Uh, DC has been doing a lot of uh, great animated movies that we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, that, and they've been adapting some comic books, uh, Batman Year One, uh, is coming out, and then they uh, let it drop at San Diego that they're going to be doing an animated version of Frank Miller's seminal The Dark Knight Returns. Yowza. Uh, CT, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? Well, this is going to be very cool because they, they're also doing it in two parts. And one of the things that I, I, I don't like about these movies is that sometimes they feel too short. They're trying to cram these big epic stories into 70 minutes. And uh, they are going to actually make this a two-part movie, so it's going to really get the space it deserves. And that, that to me, is the key to making this um, really good. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, back, um, I think it was like the, the mid-'90s, there was a uh, an episode of Batman the Animated Series where they did like a, about a six-minute homage to the Dark Knight Returns story. And ever since then, I've wanted more, and, and now we're going to get it, so... But also Batman Year One's coming out too, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they were actually they they screened it at uh, at the Comic Con, and then during that they let it slip that Dark Knight Returns is the next one, and I I'm assuming they're going to draw it in the animation style, and I've heard that they're saying they're going to stay quite close to it. I think that's exciting. I didn't know that about the the cutting it into two parts because uh, the All Star Superman a film that came out really good, but I felt that one was a little too condensed. 
for a, like a 75 minute movie. So I'm, it's, it's good to hear that they're going to give it a chunk of time to really properly bring that story to life. It's interesting though, because it's almost like DC's really excelling in the, their whole, uh, their whole franchise in the animated universe, whereas Marvel's just kicking ass in the freaking mo- ma- you know, major motion picture area. Yeah, it seems that way. They just, uh, DC's done a great job with animation. They got to step up their game, <coughs> Green Lantern, uh, a little bit in the movies. But talking about television, uh, Jeff Loeb, who runs, uh, Marvel's, uh, TV team was at San Diego and he let it drop that there are four Marvel TV live action shows on their way. We'd already knew that Hulk was coming. Uh, AKA Jessica Jones. That is, uh, for anyone that hasn't read Brian Michael Bendis's alias comic, that TV series is coming and it, they, they confirmed that the TV show is going to feature Luke Cage and Carol Danvers. But two new shows were mentioned here, both for ABC Family. One, Cloak and Dagger, and the other, which was just announced, was Mockingbird. Uh, that's from the Avengers Mockingbird. And here's the setup for that one. Bobby Morse is a freshman at Silicon Valley University when she's recruited by a super spy organization. So she's a student by day and a super spy at night. It's a little bit like Alias. Uh, Christian, what are your thoughts on these four shows potentially hitting the TV? Well, uh, first of all, Luke Cage and uh, the television show is exciting to me because there's a character I, I would love to see some kind of, some way kind of shown on whether the big screen or the little screen. But I mean, of all those titles, Alias is an excellent title that can be translated very well to to television. It is those are gritty kind of detective stories, and and just the actual appearance, uh, the stories themselves are very interesting. But even the appearance of heroes is not so intrusive that it's unbelievable or make it look kind of campy or crazy but um mockingbird so what the hell is silicon valley university is that like the fucking computer city or something i have no idea yeah i i'm 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 gonna guess it's not a real school christian or at least it's one that maybe you can just get your diploma online but uh, i'll just say it's one that never invited christian to attend to that's why he doesn't know what the fuck it is a long list of many Um, and finally, just wrapping up, uh, some comic book news, but this was the one that I definitely piqued my interest, If just because it's so obscure. IDW Publishing confirmed that they're going to be releasing Star Trek and the Legion of the Superheroes crossover. That's right. Captain Kirk is going to meet Brainiac. So uh, what, what do you think of that, CT? <laughs> Why are you asking him? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, uh, do you know, you know, I, I used to intern at Marvel. Well, and I was, I worked in the Star Trek comic book office when Marvel was the uh, Star Trek um, publisher. And uh, while, while I was there, we worked on a Star Trek X Men crossover, uh, and I actually was a part of the, uh, uh, the editorial team that that worked on that next generation, the second one actually that had next generation crossover with the X Men. So, so for me, even though it seems weird, I have a bit of nostalgia because makes me think of that um i probably won't get it i might you know i might check out like if there's a preview on comiXology or something like that but uh i don't know those things are fun they don't really impact continuity but uh it's it's still kind of fun to just let them play around a bit 
I guess that's the whole, and that's a perfect frame of mind to take when reading this kind of crap. I mean, it's fun, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, other than that, I mean, does it seem to be the magic word for these kind of crossovers with anything with Star Trek seem kind of pointless for crying out loud? And that's it. it yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not like it's going to be, oh, my God, Spock was killed by by uh, <laughs> Ultra Boy. <laughs> Ultra Boy. I mean, Jesus Christ. the you know, but I mean, fun is what it is, and I, I, I think it's just such a sort of inspired matchup uh, in terms of of characters. But there was also another one that they announced as well. I don't know if you fellas heard about this. Another crossover that's coming, and this is for real. Archie meets Kiss. Downs, did you hear about that? Uh, no, that's hilarious though. <laughs> that comic is coming. They actually even debuted the cover, which has like Archie and gang done up in full fucking kiss makeup. <laughs> that's awesome. Is there kiss any Gene Simmons? Uh, you, I used to say the same thing. Gene Simmons will fucking put his brand anywhere on anything. Yeah, they will not. They will not. There's nowhere too low that they will not sink in terms of selling out for Kiss. But that comic alone, the cover is pretty goddamn funny. That's hilarious. So is that it for uh, the, your geek news from the San Diego Comic Con, there, Mr. D. Giovanni? Uh, that's gonna do it. Yeah. Excellent, excellent work. Well, thank you, Mr. Mr. D. Giovanni, for that great bit of. Uh, Geek news from the San Diego Comic Con. One day we will visit. One day, my friend. One day. But let's get to the meat and potatoes of tonight's podcast. And that is one of my favorite topics to host. One of my favorite shows to do. And that is the verses. We are returning to the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome, which is located on that magic asteroid along with the Atomic Geeks Eats and Drinkery orbiting the planet Earth. And if you happen, you haven't never heard this episode before, let me give you the gist. I'm going to uh, hand out a series of fictional matches uh, to the fellas here tonight, and we are going to basically argue whether or not this person could beat this other person. And uh, these are basically characters from geek lore, so on and so on and so on. It becomes a very active discussion. And I think in the past, how many times have we done this episode? Probably about four times, I think. And I think generally in the past, basically alluded to the fact that there is always a winner. I've never exactly said what happens to the loser. But, you know, I think tonight I'm going to change that. In, in tonight's series of matches... The good guy, or the, there's one winner and one guy dies. Yes, <laughs> all the competitors die, and there is only one winner. So I got a bunch of matches to go over here. Let's start with the first one, which will be an easy one. I'm calling it the Summer Blockbuster War, and this is a fight between Captain America versus Thor versus Green Lantern. And let's start with UCT for your thoughts on this matchup. Okay, can I clarify that we're talking about the movie versions of all these three characters? Yes, let's do that. With that said, I think Cap is taken out pretty quickly. No disrespect to Cap. <laughs> and then it, it winds up being down to Green Lantern and Thor. And uh, and I can't really speak to um, to Green Lantern because I haven't seen the movie. I can only base it off the five or six minutes of trailers and footage I've seen. But uh, but I have seen Thor, and um, to me I'm an, uh, to me it seems like Thor has when he has the hammer and he has the power he is pretty much unstoppable. He took out all those frost giants with ease and was in and I mean there was the uh, 
they were just piling on him, and he had no problems, and he just started spinning that hammer and, and takes them all out. And then at the end, once he gets uh, the power again, he um, he takes out the Destroyer pretty easily. Uh, based on my um, clips of the movie I've seen, Hal Jordan's Green Lantern does not appear to have that confidence um, and experience that it would take to take down Thor. So I give this to Thor. You know, even if we say movie or comic books, the characters are the characters. So I mean, yeah, that's it, what I was thinking too. Yeah, like so. I, I I I was thinking that as you were explaining it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it makes sense because you're setting it up as summer blockbusters. But real, the the movies did, I guess, I, with not having seen Captain America, as good of a job as you know capturing the essence of the, of each of these. So when we just think of uh, of each of them, even just based from the comics. I'm going to agree with CT here. Cap is going out really fast. He is dead pretty quick. I, you know, he ate, Bat- he ate Batman. Yeah, like Super Soldier, that's great. But you're talking about a guy with an alien ring and a and a god with a fucking magical hammer. Uh, Cap's not lasting too long. Well, once it goes down to the two of them, as much as I love Green Lantern, if you Wikipedia Thor. You know, or go back and, you know, flip through finding out the, all the depth of Thor's abilities. This guy is a fucking monster, man. I mean, he, let alone he is a god. He is immortal. He's invulnerable. He's got speed. He's agility. He's, he sometimes falls into a state of warrior madness. That is a quote there, uh, that I, I'm pulling out. And this isn't even yet. He hasn't even swung the friggin' hammer yet. I just, I just, I just love listening to Michael D. Giovanni's love letter to Thor right now. No, but hey, man, I can't believe I'm betting against Hal Jordan, but Thor. I mean, the guy is a god. I mean, if we had Superman in there, maybe this would be a different story. But Thor takes it. Mr. Downs, what are your thoughts? Okay, uh, you know, I was a little bit more like CT. I was thinking about the movie characters because, I mean, I agree. Uh, I was thinking about specifically the versions of the movies, and you know, I, again, I have not seen Captain America, but don't really feel like he's in the running at all. I think he's first out, like everyone else. <laughs> big, yeah, big green hammer been smashing him into the ground. <laughs> yeah. So, when then, then when it came down to the real match of okay, so I guess we're saying Captain America dies, or someone has to die in this match, maybe. Um, and so then it comes down to Green Lantern, and one of the things, or at least one of the reasons I definitely gave the edge to uh, Thor was because of Ryan Reynolds, uh, i.e. Hal Jordan, this version of him being a not a seasoned Green Lantern, because perhaps a seasoned Green Lantern might have some chance against Thor just in maybe be using constructs, you know what I mean? Like, if you think of someone like... Um, Sinestro, a very seasoned Green Lantern, might be able to take out someone like Thor. However, in the matchup that you know that we were put before us, Thor definitely, definitely takes it. I, I just, I'm not saying Thor doesn't win it if it's not uh, him. I just I think it's more of thought. In this version of the movies, I thought this version of Thor way kicks uh, the, you know Ryan Reynolds's Hal Jordan in the ass. That's a, that's pretty neat that you came at it like that because uh, the Thor movie's not his origin. Thor's already you know rocking his shit uh, when when we're getting that as the movie's happening. And you're right, and Hal's just getting the ring. When, when when you know when you really think about this, one Green Lantern, even a seasoned Green Lantern. Let's throw Sinestro in at it. I don't know if one Lantern could take Thor. If you start if you start throwing maybe. The GL corpse at uh, someone like uh, a god, then they could do the business. But 
I, I, I just don't even think an, a, an individual wily veteran, uh, ring slinger could, could take <laughs> Thor. Did I just? Yeah, I mean, as far, as far as from all, like, the stories of Thor I remember, I mean, uh, for, for as, uh, you know, when using that big G word, God, he, he gets his, he gets his, his fair share of beatings every now and then. Yeah, but I mean, no, that's true. I mean, he goes toe to toe with like Silver Surfer and everybody, and but I, I still just think, I, as much as you love GL, I, I am not say, not to say this would be a quick battle at all. They would probably you know tussle for a long time, but I, I you have to give the advantage to Thor, whether we're thinking movies or comics. Does uh, Thor still have the um, the thing where he if he loses his hammer for a minute, he turns back into Donald Blake? Oh, I don't think he tur- does. He, I, I don't think he turns back into anybody now. Isn't he just playing old Thor now? Oh, wait a second. No, he's not. Oh, DJ would probably know this better than I would. Well, I mean, I, I, I do not know a ton about Thor. I'm reading the current latest incarnation right now, and he doesn't. There is no alter ego. He's just okay. Thor. But if and it was, like, so, so, well, so those of us uninitiated was he kind of like a uh, Shazam? He had that kind of thing going on. He had a thing where if he had the hammer, he could. Uh, oh, he had a he had a cane, and he could uh, do something with it. And it would turn into the hammer, and he was Thor. And and my recollection is that if Thor was separated from the hammer for uh, like a minute, he would turn back into Donald Blake. And when I was thinking about this matchup, I thought that was really Green Lantern's only chance if, in the comics. If that was still in effect, was if Green Lantern could somehow get the hammer away from Thor and keep it away from him, then it's it's Green Lantern versus a regular guy. But that's that's the only scenario I came up with that where Green Lantern could win. Yeah, and if Green Lantern knew that somehow, like he got the well, true, the, true. the tail of the tape before the match, you know. Well, what? not even just that, but you, it, it could happen in battle that, uh, you know, he could knock the the hammer out of his hand for a moment, right? So maybe he wouldn't need to know that, but he'd have to strike quickly when he turned back into Donald Blake or something. Well, I think basically when it comes down to it is this: is that basically. Green Lantern, I don't give a frig, he's like about to retire, or, you know, he's just starting out. The frigging guy, he's a superhero, you know, and a, an airline pilot. You know, he's not focused on the frigging battle, though he's a great superhero, blah, blah, blah. But frigging Thor's a god. All this guy does is fight. He just fights, fight, fights. What are you going to do today, Thor? Well, I thought I'd eat my breakfast and go out and fight some shit for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah, you know what I mean? Him and his buddies are known for going around yeah. and fighting. Right. You know, it's like, it's like it's Thor, the god of thunder. What does he do? Well, fuck, I make rain and I fucking fight for crying out loud. You know what I mean? And he's no done one, it all his life too, right? Yeah, exactly. he, he grew for like, up for, doing it, like, for, like, and all of his life. In our comparison, for all we know, could be millions and millions of years for crying out loud. This guy's kicking shit all over Asgard and the other realms and all that shit every day of the week for millions of years. So Thor wins. So let's get on to our next. I just realized I didn't use my announcer voice for that first uh, matchup, and now I, I plan to rectify that for the following matchups. I'm sure you guys are all thrilled. Um, this next fight I'm basically dedicating to a CT because I know he loves a Muppet. So here is the tale of the tape. Uh, with a height of eight foot two inches tall from the street and has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's a big yellow bird with the appropriate name, Big Bird. 
And in the other corner, known as Aloysius Snuffleupagus, he's a woolly mammoth-type creature from the streets as well. And I've already said his name. It's Snuffleupagus. Now, these are two endearing childhood uh, characters from our youth that are essentially going to fight to the death, and one of them has to win, one of them has to lose. Mr. Downs, I would like to hear your thoughts on this matchup. Okay, so when I thought about these two, I figured Snuffleupagus has to have some sort of magical power. He's he's there, he's not there, there's something going on with him. And so I had to give the explanation, why are you laughing? There's something going on with that guy, so for that reason, and I mean, he's got the tusks. So to me, he, he has, has no tusks. tusks. Does he have tusks? He's no, just he's a fucking like a woolly mammoth. He looks like a woolly mammoth. No tusks. tusks. I don't know. In my world, he's got tusks and he's magical and he's scary and he fucking takes out Big Bird. We can't have Elseworld scenarios here where they're in your like our own in versions of these. <laughs> well, in my world, but I mean, are you alluding to the fact that only Big Bird sees Snuffleupagus yeah. and nobody else does? Okay, just so you know, because I've I, I, exhaustive research on Snuffleupagus for this show. <laughs> Apparently, in one in the later seasons, I had this specific um, episode, two thousand and ninety six or something like that. They actually eliminated that whole premise. Uh, well, that, no, that's not fair. You can't say that now. The one we grew up on was magic. No one else saw him, but no, he wasn't magic. He was just there was. They never alluded to that he was magic. It's just. <laughs> He just hung out in places that only the big bird hung out in. And always, he always, because other people it, would be up and it was like, he was just here and it was like, I don't see, I was, I didn't see him. Yeah, but, like, but it wasn't like that, he that or he's fast as fuck, okay? At the very, no, but he wasn't like Snuffleupagus was like, he wasn't like dancing around them while people there were Snuffleupagus. I can't see him for crying out loud. He wasn't like he's invisible. He just was like the master of timely exits for this giant <laughs> shambling monster. I think it's more than that. There's something else at work here. <laughs> He's a Wiccan, is what you're saying. <laughs> or something. He's got something in the, in the bag. <laughs> so, so, in your opinion, Snuffleupagus would win because he has some undiscernible magic that he would use that Big Bird wouldn't even figure out. That's right. I think there's something we don't know about him, and it makes him a dangerous uh, weapon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did not expect it to go in that direction. <laughs> you show what are your thoughts? Well, see, I don't see Snuffleupagus as a mage. Uh... So, first of all, I think this is going to be a very, very annoying fight because they're going to move extremely slow. They might sing a few times. They might <laughs> stop and count some stuff or say something in Spanish for a moment. Uh, but when when they finally have to throw down, Snuffleupagus is so, despite him being so big, I think he's lumbering and slow. I mean, even the way he talks and I, I think Big Bird, all, because and Downs, I have to tell you, he did not have tusks. It doesn't matter where we live, he had no tusk. But Big Bird... He's a willing man with, they have tusks! No, not him. He, uh, but Big Bird has a beak. And if you can recall what Snuffleupagus looks like, Snuffleupagus has some giant eyes and probably the longest eyelashes... And in Muppet Hood, I mean, look at a picture of this this cat, man. This guy's got eyelashes. Looks weird, like he's rocking eyeliner. It's sort of weird, a little bit. That's just an act to fucking suck you in, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think Big Bird would peck out Snuffleupagus's eyes because they're an easy target, and then eat his heart and kill him. <laughs> 
CT. I want to hear what you think. All right, right. Well, I might have gone a bit of a different direction. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> Which isn't all that surprising. But um, at first I thought about how, you know, really – Big Bird isn't all that smart. He's, he's rather dim on purpose. He's got that childlike attitude and childlike innocence. I think Snuffleupagus would be able to outsmart Big Bird, despite the fact Big Bird can probably outmaneuver Snuffleupagus. But then I got to thinking about it, and I realized if the Muppeteers took their costumes off, it's two guys on one. Snuffleupagus wins. Yeah, but that's that's no, no way. But two guys on one for crying out loud. Okay. This is my thoughts on this freaking matchup for crying out loud. Considering that, you know, Big Bird uh has the bloodlust in him and he must kill Snuffleupagus. I think if he was smart and he would eventually again, it's been alluded to that Snuffleupagus is slow and he is slow for crying out. He shambles like a freaking yeah, well, hold on. garbage what, what, truck. What blood bloodlust are you talking about? You just made that up. I'm bloodless. What the? F- these people, these two characters, have to fight to the death. I'm just adding graphic detail to make it a more oh, interesting yeah, you're story. Kind of making it seem like he's got a fucking reputation of killing motherfuckers, but he doesn't. He's just. Well, you don't know what happens on the street, and I'm using air quotes there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making it more colorful with my description when I use the word bloodless. All I'm, I'm saying not... is he's not bringing anything to the table that's tougher than uh, Snuffleupagus. I don't think. Oh, I'm telling you right now, he does. Like the DJ already alluded to it for crying. He's got that friggin' beak for crying out loud. All he has foam. to do. What's that? A beak made of foam. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> These no, are. It, bur- it, it just doesn't make him any tougher just because he has a beak. If he had, this is a gigantic bird with a gigantic beak who could jump on the back of Snuffleupagus and basically pierce his flesh over and over again without, you know, outside of the reach of that stupid trunk of his. Yeah, because Downs, what your your argument saying like, well, if you didn't have arms, like the guy has a beak. No, I'm not saying and- he doesn't have it. I'm saying that he has it, but he could still be a fucking pansy ass motherfucker and not use it. Meanwhile, Snuffy's got that big trunk. He's slapping him across the face, left, right, left, right, left, fucking. Or we're standing there. Or he's choking. Big Bird, that giant yeah. pick of his. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not. All right. I, I'm Go still ahead. going with Big Bird. You're going with Big Bird? I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm, there, I, as much as I, I forgot about uh, the, you know, the potentially of the strangling abilities of his trunk, <laughs> but I, I think Big, Big Bird's uh, beak is a, a far deadlier weapon. Yeah, I think the beak and those feet are freaking contenders. Uh, all right, so the, so I guess between the two of us, that's a tie then, right? So that means I've got to flip a coin. Oh, I thought as guessed my vote counted as two. No, 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 that's not true at all. Uh, no, so that's let's totally see. true. That's I read that. No, there's no two puppeteers working CT. He's one fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna flip a bottle cap. Uh, Maple Leaf up uh, means uh, freaking uh, Snuffleupagus wins. Nope, Big Bird wins. Yes. Leaf down. Oh, bullshit. Friggin' Big heart Bird wins. and everything. Why wouldn't Big Bird <laughs> win that for frick? Snuffleupagus' heart is made of bird seed. <laughs> You're not right. taking any magic into account at all, and I don't think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you if we Googled it, there's probably some fan fiction written about Snuffleupagus and his long line of uh, witchcraft. If and not, there should be. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's a, probably a long line of fan fiction that has nothing to do with fighting, if you know what I mean. Good grief. Um, so Big Bird wins. Thank goodness there is justice in the world. 
Uh, let's get to our next matchup. Uh, this is this one was suggested to me by one of the members of this podcast, Mr. D. Giovanni. Uh, and let's get into this one. This, this is an interesting one. Uh, I call this the studio logo battle. And it's a four-way matchup, meaning there are four participants in this matchup. And I will name them in an announcer-like voice very quickly. In one corner, we have the MGM Lion. In the other corner, we have the TriStar Pegasus. And in another corner, we have the Columbia Torch Lady. My apologies to the, you know, anyone who knows what the actual name of that lady is. But anyway, Columbia Torch Lady. And in the the final... Liberty? I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, if I did my research on that, I would have known that. Anyway, and in the final corner, it's the Fishing Boy from the DreamWorks logo. Uh, ring that bell, CT. Ding, ding. Uh, Mr. Giovanni, do you have any thoughts on this fight to start? Well, this is uh, an epic battle that I think everyone has been waiting for. Uh, <laughs> as we like to say, we always like to throw out who is getting dusted first. If anyone disagrees that it's the little DreamWorks fishing kid, you got something wrong with you. The, he, that kid is out immediately. I have some thoughts on that. Okay. As do I. As do I. Okay. I I thought that, like, for all we know, it's only basically a silhouette of this fishing boy, for crying out loud. For all we know, this could be, like, one of those friggin', like, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, friggin', jumping up in the air, friggin', fish hook weapon masters. No. I I, I thought of the same thing, though. I was like, he could be crazy with the fucking fishing hook. No. If you look at it, he's got his jeans rolled up. He's some child. He looks like he's... From one of those, uh, that artist that paints all those paint Norman Rockwell. Norman Rockwell kid. Yes, in between bloody battles between other uh, studio logos. Yes. <laughs> wow, we've wasted our lives. Uh, but when when I start getting down to the the, the real business here, I have to go with uh, I got to go with Pegasus on this one because the woman holding the torch, she looks like she might be a statue. So uh, she's going to move a little slow, but I'm not really concerned about her because Pegasus, if you do your research on that fine steed, he carries lightning bolts. So bam, fucking rock lady, a lady statue woman is gone. And that lion is clearly on drugs. They, <laughs> someone, someone, it is the most laid back, relaxed, you know, it's got tranked out. Lion. I mean, it can hardly even get a muster a roar. I don't think it's going to do much as Pegasus is flying around and stomping a fucking butthole in its ass. Wait, so you're saying that here's this lion who finally has a chance to prove himself in the Atomic Geeks Super Fight Dome, and he's not a make it take the you know take it to task for crying out loud. No, but I have to still, I I have to base his abilities on who he is. I mean, he's a lion, yes, but he's a laid back. Fucking lazy looking lion that's you know chilling in a logo like. Well, do you remember back in the day? Do you remember back in the day the clips were longer and like he would like look over and he'd look at you and then he'd roar like it seemed like it they, they had to coax it out of him back in the day. Now it's just the roar. But do you remember that? That's how I'm thinking about it. It's like, and I mean, granted, the Wayne's World or what, what movie was it where Str- they Strange Brew, Strange Brew, where they had the one and they were kind of cranking its tail and making him burp and stuff. But I, with that, <laughs> this, despite that funny moment, I agree. I, I'm I'm seeing what Downs is saying here is that it seemed 
very uninterested and lazy and decrepit. Pegasus is leaping and jumping and majestic. I think Pegasus takes it. I don't know, but like, okay, explain to me how is Pegasus defeating? Like, what is he doing physically okay. to defeat? If, if it flies, jumping around and fucking hoofing you in the face and take and stomping a goddamn hole through the lion. The kid, he's bucking in the face, and there's goes your chin. And then he is Pegasus, and if you uh, if you read up on Greek mythology, he carries lightning bolts. Uh, Pegasus, so he fires and destroys her. When does Pegasus carry lightning bolts? Read what do you up on Pegasus? <laughs> and he also has undetermined magic as well. I'm assuming. And Snuffleupagus doesn't have magic, but no one else has magic. I love how he's changed his name into his traditional uh, w- warlock name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so down, DJ's going with Pegasus. Downs, what are your thoughts? Well, okay, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, the statue woman, she's no good unless Frankenstein's attacking with, you know what I mean, with the fucking <laughs> torch. So I thought she, the lion would eat her fucking first. You know, I wondered about... Uh, the guy, the little boy, because I was thinking that could be Tom Sawyer, man, and that you know he could be fucking, he'll strangle you or cut your throat with that fucking cable. So or rob you at least. If, uh, what? Or yeah. rob you at least. Yeah, because there's anything I remember from reading that book is that Tom Sawyer's always kicking some shit. Well, I just mean he could be like a wily kid, you know what I mean? Like not just some average kid, like a wily streetwise kid. Um. So, okay, the lion or Pegasus. I didn't know Pegasus was dropping fucking lightning bulbs from his ass. If he can do that, I think that he's definitely got it. Um, you know, I was thinking that the lion was pretty fucking fierce. Uh, even with the flying around, you know, if I'm a lion, I catch you. Once I catch your ass, I'm going to eat you. So, um, but if he has lightning bolts, that's definitely a fucking equalizer. I, I didn't know that, though, before. Yeah, yeah, but no, wait a second, though. Does the... The, the fucking Pegasus just carry the lightning bolts for other people? He doesn't freaking, you know, reach back and pull out lightning bolts and, like, whip them like freaking Mr. Red, does he? Well, if he's carrying them, he's going to use them in a fight, I would think. No, I but I thought I... he was like a, he's a horse. He's carrying them for people who ride him who want to throw lightning bolts. He's got lightning bolts. That's better than the fucking kid with a goddamn fishing rod. Fishing line. <laughs> And, and a lion. I mean, like, if I'm Pegasus, I just float above and go, ah, fuck you. Drop some fucking lightning bolts on your ass. How do you like and that? That's not a- drop a horseshoe in your fucking eye. Here you go. Bam. Like me now. <laughs> <laughs> the flying is definitely, you know, something you can't get around. I mean, he just flies around. Fuck you. I'm up here. He lets yeah, but, yeah. them sort so, so, so it out and then rolls down there when there's only one left. Yeah, but flying is good for evading, though. Flying ain't good for fucking kicking the shit out of a no, guy. No, but it keeps him out of the fight. He's, uh, you think of a fucking four-way match. He's fresh. He's been floating around the top of the super fight dome. He's just chilling. Now, all the three of them have fucking fought it out, and whoever's left, if it's the lion, if it's fucking Shikester with the fucking fishing wire, whoever's left, he comes down and drops a couple thunderbolts on your ass, lightning bolts, and then the fucking game's over, and he's just yes. out there like no fucking big deal. So, okay, wait a second. What if, if, if there were no lightning bolts involved, would you still be on Team Pegasus? Uh, that I'm not so sure about. I would think if I just fly by and I'm a regular old unicorn and the lion grabs me and eats me, it's probably a done deal. Well, if it's a unicorn, it'd be freaking different for crying out loud. No, but, yeah, if I, if I flew in within range, uh, I think a lion's a pretty fucking fierce competitor. If I can get a leg, I'm, that's it, right? But keep in mind, he's a flying horse. He can probably fly down pretty fast, and Christian... Have you ever been kicked by a horse? Like, have you ever been 
two legs right in the chops. If he has, that would explain a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it has been many, many summers since that's happened. Okay. Well, guess who's going to be kicked in the face a lot? But all Every I'm saying, single I'm... other fucking competitor. But all I'm saying, though, is I'm afraid of a Pegasus who's angry at me, but a Pegasus with fucking lightning bolts, yes, and then I'm doubly scared for crying out loud, because that's a force and a half. All right, are we all, are we all comfortable with the fact that this Pegasus has lightning bolts? Is that the deal? Well, in my version of it, he, uh, he has pe- uh, lightning bolts. Maybe well, the then in guy. my well, version, Snufflepagus has got fucking magic. So. No, yeah, well, in my version, the Columbia Torch Lady has been trained by Batman for crying out loud. Well, can I, no. can I make a case for the, uh, the DreamWorks boy, actually, or at least ask a question? Yes. Is he actual size? I mean, he's sitting on the moon. Oh! <laughs> That's a, I didn't even think about that. So, okay, make your point, CT. So, so then he's like a giant. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's That was the only question I had because I'm, I'm with you, Dijo, the Pegasus. Lightning bolts or not, I want to give it to him, especially because the MGM lion hasn't really shown – that much personality, but but when I got to thinking about it, and I think it was my daughter as I was talking to her about it. She brought it up, and she's like, "He sits on the moon," and I was like, "Yeah, he's he's a giant." He's I, you know what I love more, even more than that, your perspective on the DreamWorks logo is the fact that you actually talk to your daughter about the <laughs> topics for this podcast. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of these have you know like Big Bird and Stephalopagus. I wanted to get her insight on it. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. You know what? I never thought about that either, because if we are, t- you know, when I said in my version of Pegasus, that's, uh, the, I researched the character. Downs, there's no literature written about Snuffleupagus or his people, the Snuffleupagus guys. The, uh, that, that's, that's, just suggests, wait, I'm looking it up right now. I know you are, I, I can hear the, <laughs> of the keyboard. But wait, the you're reason, looking up Pegasus or Snuffleupagus lore? Pegasus, when you research that, that, that mythological creature, they mention that it, he carried lightning bolts. But that said, the perspective of the, the DreamWorks boy being the size to sit on the moon, that changes everything. <laughs> That's right. That fucking Fisher boy is friggin' taking home a lot of food for tonight's dinner, for crying out loud, in my opinion. So okay, so what does that mean, CT? Are we? Are you? Are you basing? Who's you? Who are you picking here? Who are you going with? If if the DreamWorks boy is the size of the moon, I'm going with him. If he's if he's not, we're saying it's some sort of optical illusion. Then I'm going with Pegasus. I have to say the same then because I never thought of that either. If we we all agree that the kid is sitting on the goddamn moon, he is a giant. He will the 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 Pegasus and all these things are mere playthings to this child. <laughs> Downs, what do you think? Sorry, I'm looking up Snuffleupagus. I'm looking up. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? I think I think based on that interpretation on uh, what uh, CT said, and kudos to him for actually bringing that perspective. And I, I was rooting for the fisherman, uh, the fisher boy from DreamWorks to win regardless. But even based on that information, I think the friggin' uh, the DreamWorks kid kicks the shit out of everybody, literally. Yeah, that's. I, I, that's a game changer as far as I'm concerned. So fucking kudos to UCT for bringing that freaking perspective to the freaking matchup. So there you go. I'd like to Dream- thank my daughter. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that's right. Thank uh, CT Jr. for that one. Uh, so there you go. DreamWorks Fishing Boy wins the studio logo battle. How's that uh, research coming along there, uh, Mr. Downs? Uh, not very good. <laughs> I thought he was magic. I don't know. I thought there was magic in there somewhere. 
All right, well, let's get to uh, an even uh, larger scope of a battle. Larger, but much, much smaller. And you'll understand what I mean when I say it in a second. And let's get down to our combatants for this next match in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome. In one corner, a village with approximately 100 uh, villagers, all the color blue. I'm talking about Smurf Village. And in the other side of the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome, another village uh, inhabited entirely by a race known as, are they a race? A race known as Leprechauns. That's right. Smurf Village versus a village of leprechauns of the exact amount of leprechauns as there are Smurfs doing battle one village will win, one village will lose. CT, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, leprechauns are all magical, where only a select few Smurfs are magical. Uh, Papa Smurf being one of them, and I believe a couple of others throughout. Uh, leprechauns have a height advantage over the Smurfs. They're uh, usually about three feet tall, where Smurfs are three apples tall. Mm-hmm. And leprechauns um, have a mean streak where Smurfs as a whole do not, uh, and they're easily confused by um, by uh, introducing women into the mix. Um, the only thing that I would think leprechauns don't have in their advantage is their inability to work together, which I don't really know if there is any history of leprechauns working together or not. But uh, I would, I'm going to go leprechauns in this battle um, because I think even a few leprechauns could take out the Smurfs. Yeah, you see, I, I first of all, the, the height. I didn't, you know, honestly, I never, I never thought about the height difference. I guess that's me uh, being a kind of a sizeist, uh, so to speak. Because like, I just thought, hey, they're both small, friggin' magical people for crying out loud. But you're absolutely right. They actually say the Smurfs are three apples tall and friggin' leprechauns are three feet tall. But I try to look up magic that leprechauns have, like what actual magic powers they have, and I couldn't find really much of anything. All I know is that apparently uh, they're mischievous, uh, they love to dance, and they're also shoemakers. No, see, I found that leprechauns have the ability to grant three wishes to, uh, to, to in an exchange for release if they're ever endangered. So... They do, ha- and they have their magical pot of gold and all that shit. So it's like they do have pa- they, they ha- do have magic abilities. So basically, all the Smurfs would have to do would maybe capture one leprechaun and then get their wishes, and then say wish that all the leprechauns were impaled on uh, rusty uh, friggin' uh, railroad spikes. Or the basically one lep- all the leprechauns would just have to capture one leprechaun of their own and then get wishes, and they would murder all the fucking Smurfs. Yeah, but is that can they do that though? I mean, sure, they're tricksters. Uh, I agree with CT because I did some research as well on this. When when you look at when you read up on leprechauns, they are uh, they've been considered, and I'm using air quotes here, degenerate fairies or the sons of an evil spirit. So these are mean little sprites, man. So they would uh, sink to those depths, Christian. What I just said there. The Smurfs are happy-go-lucky folk, and they would lose this battle as a result of that. Mr. Downs, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, leprechauns, I mean, ask uh, fucking, what's her name from Friends, uh, Jennifer, uh, what's her face? Um, you know, she was, she was, <laughs> she was chased by the leprechaun in that movie. I'm a leprechaun. Ah! 
Um, you know, leprechauns are not shiny, happy people, man. And I, and you know, in terms of whether they're going to band together, if this is a, ra- a race on race fight, you're goddamn right they're going to band together and they're going to stop all those little blue bastards faster than you can fucking your head will spin. I mean, these guys they will fight. They're ruthless, as Dijo says, dirty ass fucking fairies. They are fucking magical little fucking bastards, and they will fuck you up. Is what they will do. Exactly. You know what? I think based on this, I think I have to concede that uh, I didn't. I thought there would be a bit more of a battle, but I mean the, the leprechauns would win, though. But basically, on the on the basically on the wishes front, I don't think leprechauns could be giving themselves capturing each other and giving themselves wishes all over the fucking place for crying out loud. But, it, but if they have that ability, there, we we have to assume that they could try to manipulate that in the in the heat of battle. Is all. Oh. I don't know about that for crying out. That genie's giving themselves wishes for but crying out. This is, but you know, like weird things happen in war, Christian. We can agree on that. <laughs> uh, but it, it was so funny as I also consulted someone in my life about these uh, about these fighting scenarios. So I asked my wife, and I said, you know, one of them that I have to think of is the Smurfs versus leprechauns, and her answer was. So is it an entire village of Lucky from Lucky Charms? And I'm like, <laughs> we better hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I thought that one of the – I have my notes here uh, against cons of leprechauns is that they're smokers for crying out loud. Because <laughs> so they always have the pipes and stuff like that, you know. But, again, I just forgot how tall they were. You know what I mean? I just – I, I have to. I always remember. Whenever I think about leprechauns, I always think about that friggin' Porky Pig cartoon where he's like that salesman who gets caught in that castle. And anyway, does anyone remember I, that cartoon? I, I don't. I don't understand why smoking necessarily is bad because those few who have the cancer or the rheumatoid arthritis, or whatever, they'll be back left in the back. You know what I mean? It's not going to be the fucking. They all smoke. They all have the pipes for crying out loud. They always, <laughs> what is that? That means they smoke. That means they're not exactly physically fit. So if they're like charging, you know, against uh, you know. Hefty Smurf and his giant uh, friggin' pine cone tank, you know, <laughs> then uh, they might kind of collapse out of exhaustion so because wait, they're smokers. We're supposed to believe, though, that the Smurfs are a fit and able, <laughs> wily bunch? I mean, I they're would, all fat. <laughs> I would admit the Smurfs may lose, but I would at least give them the opportunity to rally. No, you know what pro- would be more interesting? Uh, I was, uh, you know, the, the Ewoks versus the Smurfs or something. I don't know. The Ewoks versus the Smurfs? Ewoks or versus Leprechauns e- might be interesting. Ewoks versus Leprechauns. I was going to say, that would be probably a lot more interesting. Well, maybe on the next time we do this. Cough, cough. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that was a lot a lot less exciting than I thought it would be. Let's get on to uh, our next uh, match. And this is uh, another match. Uh, between what's it's another match where a bird is involved. Actually, this is another match where two birds are involved, and I'm calling this battle the duel of the ducks. And in one uh, corner, debuting in 1934, uh, is affiliated with some kind of naval organization and doesn't wear pants. I'm talking about Donald Duck. And in the other corner. Uh, debuting many years later, because I forgot to write down when he did debut, uh, all in black, I'm talking about Daffy Duck. Now, here it is. Donald Duck versus Daffy Duck, a match to the death. Who is going to win your thoughts? Michael DiGiovanni. 
Well, I, you know, when, when you suggested this one, I thought, man, I'm surprised we haven't already done this on a previous versus. It seems so obvious, but, uh, you know, it's, but it's a good one. It's the, uh, the, probably the main event of all duck fights. I can't think of a better one. In fact, (laughs) are there any other ducks? But Howard, Howard the duck versus Howard the duck versus potentially plucky duck from tiny. No, I would say dark wing duck, dark wing duck. Yes. Also, uh, but Daffy and Donald, that said, let's get down to business. Uh, these, both of these guys are not fierce warriors, but I got to give the advantage to Daffy because Daffy is got the mean streak and is a bit of a spaz. And seeing as how he comes from Warner Brothers slash Looney Tunes, which, uh, where people are shooting each other in the face, uh, you know, blowing up and TNT and all of those Acme fun versus the colorful, wonderful world of Disney. Daffy has an extreme ability to, to take punishment. I mean, he is taking shotguns to the face that's spinning his bill around and he's still walking. I think that resiliency would pay off and he would kill Donald. That, that was my point exactly. He, I've seen cartoons where he's reduced to a pile of ash in his <laughs> beak, and he still comes back for more. So that was sort of my whole point was it's it's how much can he take. I don't think Donald ever I – mean, he took punishment, but not to the extent that Daffy does and still comes back. So I agree, DJ. Mr. Downs? Yeah, okay. You know, I'm going to say a thing. You know, I thought of, you know, when I think of Donald, I think of, you know, short, tough, little fucking squatty guy. You know what I mean? And he, he can, he's tough, but, you know, he just, he doesn't have that mean streak that Daffy's got because he's been through a lot more. He's a lot tougher. And again, he can fucking take anything that Donald can take, uh, you know, push out and, and then give it back to him in some even more kind of wily way. So Daffy, I think hands down. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I was interested in just hearing the different perspectives on this matchup. But I mean, let's. When it comes down to it, freaking Daffy Duck has taken this home for crying out loud. I mean, this is a. You're talking about a duck that uh, takes like multiple shotgun blasts to the face by an inept hunter and still come back to complain about it for crying out loud. I mean, it, the funny thing is, these are both. I don't know what it is with ducks, but I guess I guess some interpretation of ducks that they have these horrible, horrible tempers. Because both Donald and Daffy are just very, you know, badly behaved, so to speak. Mean spirited, almost. Mean spirited, like there's an evil line to them. And one of the interesting points in my research that I did not know before regarding Donald Duck uh, was that Donald Duck's full name is Donald Fauntleroy Duck. So there you go. Take that little tidbit of information to your next uh, dinner party there. Uh, oh, not knowing that, I think he wins. Because <laughs> <laughs> he must have gotten into a lot of fights in high school with a middle name like that. There's uh, <laughs> one bad duck. Yeah, Daffy Duck. He wins. I do not deny it. Uh, okay, so let's get to our next matchup. And again, this is another match that I thought of only because of our, our uh, special guest for tonight's podcast. And I'm calling this the Founding Fathers Fisticuffs. And here we go. In this corner, he became President of the United States on April 30th, 1789. And he chops down a cherry tree and apparently never tells a friggin' lie. I'm talking about the first president of the U.S. of A., 
George Washington. And in the other corner, uh, he became prime minister of a fabulous country on July 1st in 1867. He was born in Scotland, but emigrated to Kingston, Ontario. He's our first Prime Minister of Canada. He is known as Sir John A. MacDonald. Now, uh, I've sent this match to the fellas, and I had one little uh, little line there that I added to it that said, uh, one of the competitor, uh, competitors would have cyborg arms, and one of the competitors would have cyborg legs. So let's see here. Uh, cyborg legs will go to George Washington, and cyborg arms will go to Sir John A. Macdonald. Think about that for a little second there, ladies and germs, because the first person I'm going to ask about this matchup is Michael Downs. Okay. So to me, the question really came down to who would get the cybernetic arms. I thought that, you know, even if the other guy has some fast running legs, ability, runs by, the other guy can clothesline him and knock his motherfucking head off. Or, you know, grab him, you know, beat the fuck out of him. It's all about that. Uh, maybe you can run and jump, I suppose. I, I don't know. To me, it was about the arms. So uh, with that in mind, uh, and for some reason, when you mentioned George Washington, am I the only person who pictured Apollo Creed in, like, Rocky IV? You know what I mean? With, like, the fucking shit. Living in America. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, was it William Lyon McKenzie? Is that who we said? John A. McDonald. John, McDonald, sorry. Had, John A. McDonald, how to make, has cyborg arms. Given that screwed up my Canadian prime ministers, there's some, uh, trivia for you, CT. Yeah, I say it's, uh, Wilfred A. Laurier. Who are we saying? Whatever the Canadian guy's name is with the robotic arms. <laughs> uh, Mr. Tichavani. Well, you know, it, it's true. Adding the cybernetics certainly help in this fight, but, Let's let's break down these two individuals here. George Washington was one of the most dominant military and political leaders in American history. He led and helped win the American Revolutionary War. He was a soldier as a young man, and he's been called brave, eager, and always ready for combat. And the man he's facing off against is a lawyer from Kingston, Ontario. That's those are the two guys, all right. So, I, cybernetics, notwithstanding, I gotta go with George Washington in this one. I mean, Sir John A. Macdonald did lead our country for 19 years. I'm sure there must have been some kind of skirmishes he might be involved in, although I could not find any in my research. <laughs> He's one of those guys. What's hey, that? The Plains of Abraham? I don't know. We'll find out some more about Snuffleupagus. We'll get right back to you. <laughs> Lily McDonald was a part of the militia, but had never actually been involved with any kind of combat or fired on an enemy. So he was keen. He was eager. <laughs> he was very <laughs> available, I think, is maybe the word you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> he was willing to give it a chance if given the opportunity. <laughs> I'll shoot somebody. Just point me in the right direction. Come on. Throw me a knife. Something. I'll stab you. Uh, <laughs> CD, your thoughts on this epic battle? <laughs> well, again, Dijo's uh, echoing everything that uh, that I was going to say. I mean, not factoring the cyborg implants. Uh, Washington has the military experience. He was reported to be um, very large, very strong. Um, 
he had led a uh, scrappy army against the great uh, British army and and won uh, many battles. Um, I think he um, may not have the smarts that MacDonald has, but the smarts that MacDonald has are going to be primarily book smarts, not street and fight smarts. Um, the best McDonald might be able to do is uh, start quoting some sort of Canadian law and bore Washington uh, and lull him to sleep or something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the the arms. You know, if if McDonald's got has got the arms, then that gives him uh, somewhat of an advantage. But uh, I, I think Washington's uh, military mind is gonna gonna give him the edge. Yeah, I was, I was toying with the fact of possibly having the arms shoot missiles or something like that. Uh, and the cyborg legs have some kind of blades that have poisoned them and stuff like that. But, I mean, uh, even considering that, you know, I think it's a bit more of an advantage, possibly. I mean, it's been an argument for another day to have cyborg arms and cyborg legs in a fight. Yeah, I'll have to concede that, uh, you know, George Washington, I think, would probably freaking kick the shit out of John A. McDonald, I'm sad to say. You, I mean, if you look at a picture of the two of them as well, because uh, yeah, so, I, I live in America. So, CT, you can you can you could do your uh, your USA chant if you like. That's this, more than well. This is a great night to be an American. USA, USA. Um, <laughs> you are not to feed Russia. I just want to say one thing. God bless America. <laughs> All I want to do is go watch Rocky Four. And, I like that movie. and right now, all of our Canadian listeners are going to Google and trying to understand, figure out who the fuck Sir John A. Macdonald was. <laughs> if anything, my ultimate goal was actually have uh, CT do a little bit of uh, research on Canadian history. So there we go. Good thing he's <laughs> looking the five dollar bill. Isn't that where he was, right? The, the one dollar bill? Not on my five dollar bill. Oh no. Was he one? No, was it one dollar? Oh, it was right. a five dollar bill. I'm pretty sure. Was he doesn't have any more, anyways. And of yeah, course, it's the American CT does not have ever. That's right. It's all show me cards we'll now show here in Canada. You sometime. <laughs> that needs to be the Chinese president on our the money soon. So. <laughs> Whoa! Like hey. Um, okay. Let's uh, obviously again George Washington thoroughly winning that one. Uh, let's get to our next matchup. A matchup that was a bit dubious. Uh, about putting together, considering one of the the competitors, and we can talk about that more once I name these said competitors. Again, this is animal versus animal. It seems to be somewhat of a theme tonight. Um, and let's get to the tail to the combatants. In one corner, he is the pet of one of the greatest superheroes to grace the comic page of all. Time. He is known as Crypto the Super Dog. And in the other corner, he is also a dog with superpowers and has an, a secret identity as a shoeshine boy. You might know him possibly as Underdog. Uh, well, there we go. Crypto versus Underdog. Uh, let's start with our guest, Mr. CT, on his thoughts on this matchup. All right. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Let me just preface it. The only reason I'm dubious is because Underdog, I, I know he's a super dog, but to be totally honest, I really didn't know a heck of a lot about him either until I did research. But anyway, I'm sorry, CT. Go ahead. I, You know, it looked like when I was doing my research, it looked like Underdog had, I, I, I have to admit, I'm not a huge Underdog fan. I, I haven't 
I don't remember watching the cartoons all that much, so I had to do research on him. It looked like he has um, he has all the powers or or um, approximate number of the same powers that, that Crypto has, um, and it's hard to say. You know, like super strength, um, who's is better? Super breath, who's is better? So when I you know we got right down to it, I, I figured that the thing that Underdog has to do that Crypto does not is Underdog has to take the super energy pill to replenish his powers. Where as long as crypto is in the yellow sun, he's good. So I, I give it to crypto mainly on that uh, that basis alone. Mr. Downs, uh, you know, to me, I was thinking that it was all about um, how uh, conscious or or uh, how human like they they are, if that makes sense. Uh, to me, uh, you know, underdog was more less of a dog. I thinking of the difference between of like, you know, uh, what's his name. Goofy and uh, Pluto. Pluto. and Pluto, right? And so, to me, Underdog was the more intelligent dog, if you will. So, to me, Underdog won, wins. See, that's that's interesting, Downs, that you would take that because he is the more humanoid uh, of the two. Uh, but I still find Underdog a little bit of the softer. Of the combatants, and I completely forgot about the uh, pills. That's a really, really good uh, point that CT brought up. I think what it comes down to, their powers are pretty even. Um, you've got one that will walk on two legs, one that'll, you know, walk on four, but they'll both fly, and they're both equally powerful. But I think what it comes down to is who has got the animalistic. Uh, Rage in this fight that would t- that would go that extra mile to kind of ripping apart their opponent, and I think Crypto's going to take that. I mean, it's been displayed in the comics a few times, uh, most notably, I think, more recently in that comic Infinite Crisis, where Crypto uh, it will like go for the jugular pretty much. Where and, I and don't, what, yeah, in, in where, the uh, Alan Moore story, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, he killed exactly. What I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so I think. Yeah, but, got, man, see, that, sorry, but to me, that that's what I think. Underdog or uh, underdog? Uh, are we talking about crypto? Yeah, no, no. Underdog could. <laughs> uh, I was thinking Dark Big Duck again for a second. Uh, un- underdog, you know, could trick crypto. You know what I mean? Like he could, because he's he's at the end of the day, as much as he's going to have that animal instinct, that's his biggest fucking uh, weakness. Is that you could trick him. You know, into some kryptonite fucking you know trap, much easier than I think you could, um, underdog. So you're saying that basically, in the midst of battle, underdog could pick up a stick and go, "Here, boy, here, boy," and throw it away, <laughs> and then stuff like that. Or you know, a cat could walk in, and the whole fight's out the fucking door. <laughs> uh, there are no cats allowed in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome. Not during dog fighting, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, I was thinking along the lines of, of, of uh, Mr. D. Giovanni as well. I mean, I mean, uh, what I remember about Underdog, it seemed, first of all, it was, a, it was a, basically a real cheap ripoff of Superman, for one thing, for crying out loud. Uh, and uh, second of all, Underdog apparently always spoke in rhymes. And it just it generally, he just seems more like the soft touch. Whereas I, the stories I remember of Crypto, when it came down to business, Crypto didn't fuck around. Crypto goes, again, to, you know, to quote CT, goes right for the throat. Um, I think, you know, if I'm if, if it's me versus an animal that can travel at the friggin' speed of light if he wanted to, for crying out loud, I would think I would be in big trouble. 
Um, of course, it's not me that's fighting. It's Underdog, and maybe I parallel myself with Underdog a bit more than I thought. But anyway, it's my opinion that Crypto would rip the shit out of Underdog, I think. This pure animal instinct is going for it. So is that is that three for Crypto? I think it is, yeah. I guess. It's three for Crypto. But, uh, yeah, that whole I was surprised by that whole pill thing for kind of superheroes that take friggin' pills. Just like uh, that other superhero cartoon. Well, not even a superhero cartoon. Was it Roger Ramjet? Do you remember that one? Vaguely. No. When he takes a proton pill, there's lots of fun and laughter. Roger, Ram- Roger Ramjet and his eagles get all the crooks they're after. No. Well, you're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> um... <laughs> Roger Ramjet, look it up. There's your homework, friggin' listeners of the Atomic Geeks podcast. Bunch of friggin' jerks. All right. Uh, let's get to our next matchup. The final match before we get to our much uh, publicized uh, via Google Plus and other internets uh, main event. Uh, this is the warm-up to that match. And let's get started with the tale of the tape. In this corner, he debuted on the television scene in 1958. He's a bald, older man with an earring that works out and likes to wear white. You know him as Mr. Clean. And in the other corner, he has been the corporate icon for a brand of cigarettes for many, many years. He likes to wear a cowboy hat, and he likes to smoke. You know him as... The Marlboro Man. Stretch that man out on purpose. Mr. Downs, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Okay. So in my mind, you've got Don Johnson as the Marlboro Man from the movie Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man. (laughs) (laughs) Versus a very uh, muscular and very clean but gay uh, bald guy. And, uh, you know, I just don't think he's got any fucking street sense to back that shit up. I think he's just a fucking, uh, marketing, uh, image. Uh, you know, I don't think he actually has any fucking street sense behind that fight. Uh, I think the Marble Man's been hanging out with, you know, the camel jockey from Mr. Camel. They've done some crazy shit on the days, and I think that fucking the Marble Man takes this. <laughs> so the Marble Man, in your opinion, is the toughest nails, uh, toughest, toughest nails hero with a past you know, that kind of like is mysterious, but still deadly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> CT, what do you think? Well, it appears to me as though Mr. Clean is some sort of genie where he will appear when uh, usually a uh, housewife is needing to clean a very messy bathroom and uh, she'll pull out the bottle of whatever it is and uh, open it up and then Mr. Clean appears. And so there is some sort of magical powers he seems to have because of that. Um, <laughs> Here we go with un- the fucking magical powers. Undiscernible magic powers. That's the uh, that's the theme for this episode. Everyone's construing uh, magic powers. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cleaning genie. He's You could say he's a cleanie. Well, yeah, oh, but you know what? Mr. <laughs> he's Mr. a cleanie. Wait a minute. That was amazing. All I remember from those fucking commercials with Mr. Clean is like, one woman was going, oh, my God, spaghetti sauce on my white countertop. And then she pulls out the Mr. M- Mr. Clean liquid, whatever the fuck and it he is. Magically and he appears, appears, but he appears, but then he just crosses his arms and looks at her and winks. And that's basically it. He doesn't go under the sink to get a sponge or help you know pull out a bucket or anything like that. He just stands there, crosses his arms, and goes, good work, bitch. Yeah, but it's, it's tied to a plastic bottle, and all he can do is fucking clean shit. So I don't think that's going to help you in a fucking fight. 
<laughs> Mr. DiGiovanni. Well, I, I'm sorry. He's a cleanie is probably the line of the night. Uh, he does. I, I love how we've all tried to discern the, the magical abilities of some of these people. Well, I, I don't, future note for future versus podcast eliminate all possibility of magic. Well, some people have magic legitimately. I mean, we can't rule out magic as a rule. But, but I, I do think, but you're. I think CT might be right because when I thought of this fight initially, I don't know why I couldn't get out of my head that this was like Indiana Jones fighting that bald guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark by the plane. <laughs> That's what I kind of just pictured in my head. Uh, I saw Mister Clean as. This bodybuilder-esque tough guy who might not be as scrappy as the Marlboro Man. Now, the Marlboro Man, we were, we talked about this with the leprechauns that they might smoke the pipes. <laughs> Marlboro Man smokes a lot. We know that. It's his yeah. thing, okay? Filtered cigarettes, though. Yes. <laughs> Notwithstanding, he's, I mean, he smokes so much, they put him on the fucking label. Uh, so he's not going to be the best of shape. He looks like he may have drank quite a bit as well. But the only thing that we also have to factor into this, the Marlboro Man is a cowboy. If we can all agree on that. So chances are <laughs> he has a gun. I was going to say, can we agree he's a magic cowboy? <laughs> well, chances are he has a gun as well. So notwithstanding our the magical abilities of our head-nodding cleanie, I gotta go with, I gotta go with the Marlboro Man and his, uh, smoky, leather-faced, gun-toting, rawhide abilities. I mean, I would admit, uh, that the, the, the Mr. Clean, I, th I assume that he has magical powers, but in the history of me seeing his commercials and studying them like I have done for years and years, I've never it's a seen him. of yours, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Did you, write, I, did you my, write your thesis on that at that, that's uh, right. Silicon Valley University? My devout dedication to uh, Mr. Cleanism. <laughs> <laughs> that guy doesn't do anything. Again, not to reiterate that point I made earlier, he just stands there and goes, good work, you use my product. <laughs> now I'm going to friggin' do some reps and look at myself in the mirror. Yeah, but from that's that all I see. Christian, I don't mean to yes. you know, kind of throw myself off here. What's the Marlboro man doing in his ads? He's fucking leaning against a fence. I tell you what, that's the thing is, he's so badass, all he's got to do is fucking sit there and sell cigarettes. That's, I tell you right now, he's a fucking an American cowboy who sits around and smokes all day long, and when this shit goes down, he just puts his hand in his holster and goes, goodbye, freaking cleanie, and pew, right between the eyes, he's done. All right, I'm fine with that. And I'll just assume Mr. K Mr. Clean's Canadian, so go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, mean, I, I, I admit the, the Mr. Mr. Clean doesn't seems like someone who could take care of his own shit, just watch other people do it. And the Marlboro Man, one way or another, old cowboy, young cowboy, he's got a gun, he's packed, and he's friggin' taking care of business. So there you go. That's what I think. We're all voting for the Marlboro Man? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Was anybody voting for Mr. Clean? It sounded like CT was. I was kind of toying with the idea for a while. I, I was bringing up the magical powers aspect, but... But yes, well, thank, yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up for crying out loud. Uh, interesting, uh, trivia about Mr., uh, Mr. Clean because I know you guys, uh, yearn for it and, uh, and again, exhibits my dedication to the man known as Mr. Clean. Uh, in different countries, he's called different things. In Spain, he's called Don Limpio. 
in uh, Germany, he's called Meister Proper. And uh, in Poland, he's called Pan Proper. And in Quebec, he's known as Monsieur Net. So, again, there you go. Take that to your uh, friggin' dinner parties and amaze your friends. Uh, you're welcome, Atomic Geeks listeners. Um, <laughs> let's, now, let's get to our final battle. Uh, if you've been uh, seen our little friggin' Google Plus uh, friggin' media storm, uh, been to our website, uh, been to our Facebook page, you'll know that uh, this, uh, the lovely CT has put together a fantastic uh, friggin' uh, fight poster advertising uh, this battle that we are going to end the show with. And I'd like to call this the Children's TV Host Blood Sucker Battle. And what essentially this is, is a fight between Barney the Purple Dinosaur versus Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But the little caveat, the little little additional uh, interesting fact to this fight is that both of them have been bitten by vampires and I'm interested to hear what you guys think would or think who would win this epic battle. And I'm going to uh, start with UCT as our special guest. Okay. Um. Well, Barney. Again, just to just to say, I I did uh, actually consult my daughter on this as well because she has <laughs> uh, a little bit more Barney information than I do, um, and she was the one who pointed out to me that Barney is just a stuffed animal who is imagined into being real. And I countered that with Mr. Rogers, who himself commands an entire neighborhood of make-believe, that it's all in his head, so it's all part of him, so he can dream those imaginary characters up to fight the imaginary dinosaur. Or he could probably use his greater powers of imagination to imagine Barney into being a stuffed animal again. Um, And so I'm going to go with Mr. Rogers for that. Uh, that alone. So you're not taking any aspect of the vampirism in effect at all? Well, the puppets that Mr. Rogers imagines are wooden, and he would use them to fight Barney, and they would uh, use their little wooden hands to uh, to stab Barney in the heart. Wow. That's interesting. That's not, there's not any kind, of, any kind of take I would have thought on that fight whatsoever. That's very, very interesting. What do you think, Mr. DJ Manning? <laughs> I'm my mind is blown over here. I don't know what Downs is thinking because I mean I did not do the the sort of research uh, that, yeah. but that because that's so, amazing because I mean now that I I may have just been convinced because I was thinking this strictly as Mr. Rogers, some Christian minister who liked to wear cardigans and sneakers versus a dinosaur. So when you add in vampire tendencies to either of these two people at the end of the day a vampasaur is going to rip apart mr <laughs> rogers but then when you add in mr rogers ability imagine imagination powers where he's basically creating an entire world and his wooden friends that he can use as a weapon see team may have converted me a little bit here I've never really thought of Mr. Rogers having powers, though. Like, when, I just, when that, what, what happens, like, in Mr. Rogers, from what I remember, is that that freaking train comes by and goes, hey, let's check out what's happening in fucking Puppet Land or whatever the hell it is. Well, I only gave him, I only quote unquote gave him powers because Barney is just a stuffed animal. And in order for him to fight Mr. Rogers, he has to be imagined into being. And so I figured, well, we've got imagination as a part of it now. So I don't see why we can't 
introduce the neighborhood of make believe as into the fight as a result. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to imagine now freaking vampire vampire Mr. Rogers wheeling out King Friday into existence to <laughs> pierce the heart of uh, Barney the dinosaur with his crown for crying out loud. That's and the uh, little lady with the boomerang. Uh, what's her name? Lady Elaine Fairchild or something like that. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, crying out loud. And there's that cat, too. Yes, um, Daniel the Tiger. <laughs> Mr. Downs, what are your thoughts on this fight? Okay, for me, you know, I thought, okay, who is Mr. Rogers? All right, let's get into this guy's fucking head, all right? You know, who is the guy who wants to hang out with little kids and fucking play with toys? So either he's a crazy-ass pedophile, which is probably not the case because he's on TV, so he's got to be checked up by somebody. So I think this guy has probably been, you know, like a Navy SEAL who has seen – he's been to hell and back, right? He's seen everything, and the, the only thing he can do now is relate to kids on some imaginary level. Okay, but like that's all they can do. He sits there and he he puts on. He goes through his little routine every week, and it's like, "Hello, here's my sweater, and I'm gonna take off my shoes now. Won't you be my neighbor?" And you know that's who I think he is. And then you got a fucking dinosaur. Granted, you know to Dijo's point, he's he's big. Okay, so the other point is that vampires. I think you take the whole vampirism off the table because they're both vampires. So it really doesn't make a difference. You know what I mean? Because they're both it. So that means nothing. So it's dinosaur versus the seemingly little man. But I don't think that's who he is. I think he's a dangerous motherfucker hiding inside a cardigan and some slippers. Mr. Downs, you totally echo what I, my thoughts in my head for crying out loud. I mean, here, here, Mr. Rogers, to me, is this guy who basically has a system in place who, uh, in order for him to relax... Freaking takes his shoes off, puts on his comfortable shoes, takes off his jacket, and puts on his nice freaking sweater. And that he's a cold, calculating bastard. He has a method and a, and a means for doing everything. And then combine that with vampirism. I think he would probably be one of the most deadliest vampires ever to exist on the planet Earth. I mean, you say dinosaur with vampirism. It's like you use dinosaur, and in, 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 if anything, is you're using air quotes to the extreme because he's barely a friggin' dinosaur. I mean, if it wasn't for vampirism, he wouldn't even have a friggin' sharp tooth in his friggin' mouth for crying out loud. I don't know, it seems to me like Mr. Rogers as a deadly dark animal of the night would be a friggin' it seems like a cold calculating killer and would totally eviscerate friggin' Barney in my opinion. The only advantage Barney might have is if the terrain in the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome called for them to go into exterior and interior environments, and Mr. Rogers had to constantly change his sweater and shoes. <laughs> That's right. Wait, I'll be out there. I just got to put on my... Uh, I just put, changed my shoes here again. Uh, we're going to be stepping outside. <laughs> so let's see here. So Downs and I, I think, are on Mr. Rogers' side. And I think, what, CT and Dijo, you're on the dinosaur no, side? No, 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 no. I'm on I'm on Mr. Rogers' side for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, because you imagine the friggin' all the people. That's crazy. I like the friggin' your thought process there, CT. I never would have thought of that. I'm just thinking more of the physical fight between the two characters themselves. Um, pretty good. So, so wait, so wait, wait, DJ, were you with Barney? You were with Barney, weren't you? I, I'm sticking with Barney because I do, I really like how you've extrapolated uh, Mr. Rogers, but I still see him as a gentle calming soul and he would be completely unprepared in a fight and would all he would do is try to talk him out of it and show some puppets uh <laughs> you know quasi dinosaur or not yeah i i think mr rogers is going down 
Well, okay, so you're wrong because yeah, we all voted for. Yeah, <laughs> think of all, all the knowledge Mr. Rogers has. He knows how to make crayons. He knows how, he knows how to make balloons. He knows how to you know he knows all that stuff because he oh. always shows those little videos about how things are yeah. made and he knows He's how good friends uh, with the mailman. Yeah. I know. I, I read an interview with him once, and I swear to God, I read that interview with him, and I forget what magazine it was. I couldn't believe this guy is the fucking sweetest individual on the face of the earth. This, I couldn't believe it. This guy was like, oh, my God. I, just, I fell in love with Mr. Rogers after reading that article. But based on that, though, I just couldn't think of the back of my head. Like if all of a sudden he's driving home and his car breaks down, and he has to go into this freaking side, this freaking bar at the side of the road and go in there for a drink and someone starts a fight, I like to think in the back of my head that if he had to, Mr. Rogers could kick some shit for crying out loud. I agree. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. My little freaking drama of Mr. Rogers. I like that idea. I got Anyway. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, jerks and jerkettes. There is your episode of Versus Matches. Again, one of my favorite episodes to do. I want to thank uh, CT uh, for being a part of it. Uh, but first... Why don't we get into our atomic picks? Uh, starting with, I'm going to start with me for crying out loud. Uh, I just want to say thanks to uh, the question mark from our forum who uh, reminded me that there's this uh, television show called Alphas that was now showing on the uh, Space Network up here in uh, Canada. And uh, basically, uh, the, I didn't get to see the first episode, but I watched uh, the, the pilot. But I watched the first, the next episode after that. And basically, the premise of this show is essentially you've got uh, alphas. I guess you might as well just say is another word for freaking mutants. And, and in our universe, there are these superpowered individuals. And in this case, there's this group of superpowered individuals. From what I understand, are being uh, uh, being taken care of by this kind of like a uh, psychologist who in, 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 in the process of taking care of them also has, has them pimping out and doing missions and stuff like that. Uh, after watching this first episode, uh, I realized it was filmed in Toronto, but still, regardless, I actually quite enjoyed, uh, this, uh, television show. I almost wish that they were more of just an actual friggin' team of, of policing or, like, some kind of military team or something, instead of just kind of this, like, psychological friggin' focus group or whatever the hell you want to call it. But other than that, I'm actually quite interested in seeing more episodes of it. Apparently, there's only eight of them, but, uh, I look forward to seeing more and more of Alphas starring a David Straithairn, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, which I'm probably not. Uh, Mr. Downs, what is your atomic pick this week? Well, funny enough, I also have a, uh, a television uh, pick based off of uh, the forums. This is a uh, TV show that I know at least Riche 636, whatever the fuck his three digits are after his name is, and uh, AJ McWhatever Faces from Australia mentioned. Um, it's a show called Warehouse 13. This is a spinoff of a show called Eureka, um, which I haven't checked out, but um, Warehouse 13 is about a bunch of uh, investigators who are chasing down artifacts in in North America that have some sort of magical component to them, i.e., and, and they're like a government-funded uh, espionage group who tracks these things down. Things like uh, Harry Houdini's wallet or, or shit like that. Very cool concept. I, another thing, I guess, is Jimi Hendrix's guitar, and for some reason these things are magical and cause crazy shit to happen. Um, this show is very cool. It houses a guy, and now I fucking forgot his name. Hold on a second. 
Saul Rubinick? Yeah, fuck, thank you. I'm remembering his name all day. Every time I tell someone about this show, I can remember it, except for right now. This show has Saul Rubinick in it, who's a great Canadian actor. He's in the show, uh, film Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Um, he's in a bunch of different things, but really good character actor. He's one of my favorite things about this show. And uh, I just got to say, uh, some guys mentioned on this, this is a sci-fi out of the U.S. Uh, show that we can get up here in Canada, I assume, maybe on space. I don't know. I don't watch it on TV. But uh, very cool TV show. It, it kind of reminds me of that TV show Friday the 13th, the TV series. Uh, not quite as scary, but the idea of like chasing down magical artifacts. Very similar to that. Uh, cooler done, not so scary, definitely interesting and fun. So check out Warehouse 13. Uh, Mr. DiGiovanni. Uh, one atomic pick for me this week. I was trolling around on Netflix again, like I often do, and I came across a movie that I'd heard about that I'd never seen, and I was actually quite surprised I haven't. I, I got the chance to finally see the movie Dark City. And holy crap, I am surprised that this film isn't cited more for a major influence in film. This is uh, Alex Proyas, the uh, director of The Crow's follow-up. And man, oh man, was this thing revolutionary in terms of look, production design, and special effects. This this film came out in 1998, a year before The Matrix, when... Everything kind of changed for the look of action films and sci-fi stuff. Uh, the best way to describe this is it is a noir sci-fi, uh, and it's uh, the the screenplay is co-credited by David Goyer, who uh, worked on Blade and The Dark Knight. Uh, let me tell you, if you haven't seen this film, it's a pretty trippy, cool little sci-fi concept, but the look and feel of this thing it looks like it was made yesterday really really good stuff i would have to assume very influential and i'm surprised that alex proyas has not developed into more of a major uh creative voice in hollywood because when you see this thing it is unbelievable so god bless netflix if you haven't seen dark city check it out CT, what are you bringing to the Atomic Picks table? Well, uh, tonight I am. Uh, my Atomic Pick is for a new service, which is uh, newly available in the United States. And my uh, little research tells me that it's not available in Canada yet. Do you guys have Spotify yet? Have you nope. heard that? I've never heard of it. I'm sorry. It is. Uh, it is a music service, and it is um, uh, kind of like. Um, it's almost like a, a cloud sort of thing where there's all this music on the internet and you are able to, uh, to sign in and listen to whatever music that is, that is accessible. And there's quite a bit, um, of available old and new. And, uh, and it's not like Pandora where you, um, you're sort of subjected to whatever they want to give you based on these algorithms. Like I can go on there and I can search for like the other night I searched for the Thor soundtrack and Captain America soundtracks. And they were on there and I listened to, through those, which both of those are also great, um, worthy uh, atomic picks as well. But this, this Spotify, I can um, set up this account, I can set up playlists, I can have it uh, installed on my computer at work and uh, listen to playlists there. I can have it um, have those same playlists uh, at home. I can share playlists, and it's all uh, connected um, uh, because it's all on the internet. It's all connected, so I could send it to somebody else who has a Spotify account, and they could listen to that same playlist. Uh, so. 
I, uh, I hope you guys in Canada get it soon. Uh, if you are in the United States and are able to get it, I think it's, uh, at this point invite only. Um, but, uh, it's, I'm pretty sure soon it'll be widely available and I, I recommend it. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent atomic picks all around. Uh, before we sign off for, uh, tonight's episode, I want to do a shout out for, uh, one of our listeners own, uh, internet radio show. It is called the Aussie Bloke Show from our good friend AJ Maggot, who has not been shy about pimping out the Atomic Geeks podcast wherever he may travel on the internet. It's uh it's a it's a weekly show you can probably find through Podomatic. They talk about uh wrestling and geek stuff and any topic underneath the sun. Uh much like us, I'm pretty sure they've earned their explicit tag. But if you're looking for uh an interesting perspective on anything, bunch of a couple of guys from Australia talking about almost anything, the Aussie bloke show is worth uh for you to find via Podomatic. Uh, so that's going to do it, uh, ladies and germs. Uh, another Atomic Geeks episode in the can. If you're looking for the Atomic Geeks, uh, we're all over the friggin' place. Twitter, Google+, Facebook. Search for the Atomic Geeks, and I guarantee you'll find us. And then I, I encourage you to like and plus and do all those things that you're required to do to make us more popular. But more specifically, I wish that you would go to iTunes and write us an iTunes review. If there's anything on the entire planet that I would beg you to do, it would be to do this because, A, it makes me happy and it makes us Atomic Geeks look good. So there you go. The Atomic Geeks, episode 123? That's correct. And I want to give a big thanks to CT for joining us tonight, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again sooner than later. The Atomic Geeks. Um, good night. <laughs> <laughs> You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. Because tonight, The Atomic Geeks are returning to the Super Fight Dome. uh, Basically, oh, geez, I'm going to start that whole fucking thing again. (laughs) You were going to say land in there somewhere? No, I was saying I'm just trying to fucking get some land or something for crying out loud. Okay. Is this on the tag asteroid, the Super Fight Dome? That's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you, CT, for making it more difficult now by mentioning that. Oh! (laughs) 